0: Hi readers, and welcome to episode 17 of Lost the Plot, the Tinted Edges monthly podcast all about books. I'm your hosting, Harrod, and I'm really excited to kick off season two of this podcast and share even more great content about book events, book news, and book reviews. I've been thinking about ways to keep improving this podcast, so there have been a couple of little tweaks, and if you'd like to share any feedback, leave a comment on SoundCloud or get in touch via www.tintededges.com. I've got a huge episode lined up for you today with a rundown on my five weeks of American literature and all the book stuff I did while I was over in the States. I've got tips on how best to lug your books around with you, and I've got an interview with one of our friends over at Beyond Cube Bookshop. I'm also really excited to announce that Lost the Plot is now registered on Patreon. So if you like my podcast and you'd like to support it, jump on to www.patreon.com/tintededges. You can nominate how much per episode you'd like to pledge, and each tier comes with its own rewards like early access, book giveaways, sneak peeks, and unfiltered on the fly book reviews. Okay, enough plugging. Let's talk books. So I recently came back from five weeks of travel in America. Now, although my reasons for going over there were not strictly book related, that didn't mean that there weren't heaps of great book things that I got to do. I also decided to do five weeks of American literature and read only American books while I traveled. I'll talk about the logistics of lugging books around later on, but let's get started with some of my recommendations of book things to do in the USA. So we arrived in L.A. and basically the first thing we did was go to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter in Universal Studios, Hollywood in California. We were staying in downtown L.A. and by far the easiest way to get there is via the L.A. metro. You can book tickets to the park online and there are definitely some things that I would recommend sorting out before you go. Number one, lather up in sunscreen. There is not much shade especially in the lions and although California sun is not quite Australian sun it is not to be taken lightly. A lesson that I learned the hard way and number two If you can avoid taking a bag or a backpack, avoid it. You can get through Universal Studios security way faster without a bag, and it's way more convenient anyway if you're going on rides. So, it's definitely best to get there early because the crowds really start to pick up around midday and the heat starts to beat down on you. Now, when you first walk up to Harry Potter World and see the entry into Hogsmeade, the faux snow on the roofs does look a little incongruous against the bright blue Los Angeles sky, but after you walk through the archway, the disbelief melts away like magic. Now a lot of the park is made up of wizarding shops, places to get butterbeer and wizarding snacks and reproductions of sets from the film. The Hogshead Pub is a great place to go try butterbeer mostly because there are plenty of places to sit and lots of shade and if you go there you can get it normal or spiked. I went for normal because it was going to be a big day and it tastes a lot like a mix between butterscotch and creaming soda with like sweet cream stuff on the top. However, the main attractions for me were definitely Ollivander's uh, Wand Shop and the Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey ride. Now both of these have pretty long lines so I would do them first. Also don't be like me and get in the wrong line for the forbidden journey ride. The staff there were not very clear about this, but if you ask them which is the singles line and you don't mind not necessarily sitting with whoever you've come to the park with, you can skip basically the entire line and avoid lining up for an hour or two in a group in the hot sun. The ride is totally worth it though, highlight of the park, and the whole thing is basically exclusive content presented by the actors from the films, and yeah, it was the highlight of our day even though we got sunburned sunburned while we were waiting. Anyway, Ollivander's is also really fun. You squeeze into this tiny, tiny room, then go through a secret door to watch the show. It's really nice seeing a couple of the kids get selected and they get to have a go at choosing their wand, and all the animatronics and stuff are a great touch. After watching the wand choose the witch or wizard, you then have the opportunity to get your own wand in the actual shop next door. Now, they only have 13 or so types of wood, or you get options to get uh, replicas from the various ones that belong to characters in the films. And I have to say, I got an eye roll from one of the staff members who said, no, they're not like Pottermore, and no, they don't stock the hundreds of wand types you can get when you do your wand selection on Pottermore when I asked her whether they had any cherry wood wands. Anyway, I ended up getting a willow wand, nice and bendy. And if you do buy a wand from Ollivanders, definitely spend the extra five bucks and get one of the interactive ones. The wands have a special feature at the end that allows you to interact with the displays all around the park. And this was one of my favorite parts going and exploring the park, finding the little metallic disks on the ground, You do the spell and it makes the display come to life. It was really cool. The only thing that was a little bit annoying is that if you don't get it right straight away, there are staff everywhere and they will come over and grab your arm and do it for you, which kind of takes the magic, no pun intended, out of it. Especially if like you're a little kid and you just want to have a go, you know, let alone me as an adult. Anyway, it was a great day out, but it was definitely not the only book related thing I got to do in L.A. So one evening um, when we were going out with our friends for dinner, I walked past a place called Library Bar. Now, I was like, oh my gosh, Library Bar, we have to go there. So our friends were kind enough to make a stop and it ended up being this great little library themed bar Beautiful decor, awesome cocktails, delicious tapas, and I would definitely recommend it if you ever end up around West 6th Street in downtown LA. Another really great find was Green Apple Books on Clement Street in San Francisco, also still in California. Uh, it's a really fun area where the street gets shut down for farmers markets on the weekend, and oh, this bookstore was so great, and I loved it so much, I bought a souvenir sweater. And the girl at the cash register, who was basically the coolest girl I had ever seen, um, she was super great and she pulled me down the last sweater which was hanging on display. And that was the last one, they didn't have any more after that. I didn't even care what size it was, I was like, oh my gosh, I must get this. Anyway, they have a huge selection of books, it has a really great vibe and um, I definitely had to leave quickly before I just weighed myself down even more with books. So. Although I only had a couple of nights in Portland, Oregon, I did manage to stumble across a street library near our Airbnb in southwest Portland. And it was, you know, it's a really beautiful, leafy, inclusive area, great sense of community. And there are apparently heaps of them around there. So if you go onto the Little Free Libraries website and and search Portland, it just lights up. Absolutely lights up. They are everywhere. Anyway, so hopefully down the track, we can maybe get a few more street libraries around in Canberra. Hopefully I can start a trend. Anyway, so finally, another really cool place I visited was in San Clemente in South California called Friends of the Library. And it's this little secondhand bookstore attached to the library run by retired volunteers. They were absolutely lovely people there. And there was a bit of a laugh when one of the ladies accidentally rang up eight thousand dollars for the secondhand book and the um the reusable bag that i bought but luckily i actually only had to pay eight dollars so i just mentioned earlier i did five weeks of american literature and i managed to get through 10 books all either set in america or by american authors now i don't use my e-reader very often unless i'm traveling or i'm reading a review copy But it definitely got a big workout while I was away. I loaded it up with an ambitious number of books and I did not get through them all, unfortunately, but I still have a few on there that I'll probably read down the track. And I carried quite a few with me as well. So I think if you're traveling for quite a while and you want to keep your luggage light, definitely consider getting yourself an e-reader. Although e-books aren't always as cheap as you might think. Um, unless you're buying classics that are out of copyright. And I ended up actually being quite surprised that despite being dead since 1968, uh, John Steinbeck's family still have the rights to his books. But then I remembered in Australia, despite all the recent calls by the Productivity Commission to scale it back to 15 years after publication, which I've talked about in previous episodes, at the moment, books can become part of the public domain only 70 years after the death of the author. And so it hasn't quite been fifty years after the death of Steinbeck, although in America, apparently, in some circumstances, copyright can last as long as seventy years after the death of the author, or ninety-five years after the date of publication. Anyway, the battle for the rights to Steinbeck's works is still ongoing, though copyright issues in Australia in general seem to be uh, seem to have taken a little bit of a back seat for now. Anyway, sorry, I digress. Ebooks. My e-reader that I have is a Kobo Glow, and it's pretty good. Um, The best thing about it is that it has a backlight, which is why it's called the Glow, which makes it easy to read on long flights without having to turn the light on and disturb the people around you. However, it can get a bit glitchy sometimes. And there was this critical moment where I was stuck in a tent, In this festival, in the middle of Oregon, trying to recover from being sick. And all I had, all I had to get me through was the book I was reading, which was The Sellout by Paul Beattie, which you must read. It was read of the year. Anyway, my Kobo just froze. The screen froze. There was nothing I could do until we got back out of the festival a couple of days later, back into civilization. The screen froze, and I think my heart froze with it. Anyway, so I did manage to leave two books behind at the Friends of the Library bookshop, though I did buy a book while I was there as well. Uh, I left behind one of my books, which was Shiz Matrix Plus, um, which is sort of a novel plus a collection of short stories, Uh, though it did get caught in the rain. So I was surprised. I, I was reading it in Mexico. It just poured down on us. It got a bit Warped, so I was surprised that they took it, given they have quite a strict policy on the quality of books. Though they were selling a lot of books there for 50 cents, so I can't imagine they were too worried about the state of a book, which is going for 50 cents. And I also bundled it up with my copy of 13 Reasons Why, which was in very good nick, and given the recent Netflix adaptation, probably in hot demand. Um, it was a good read, though I think... Uh, Even though I think the TV show probably added more depth, I think the book had a more clear, stronger message. Some of the other highlights that I read while in America, Hunger by Roxanne Gay, which is a uh, sort of a memoir about being a person of size. Bastard Out of Carolina by Dorothy Allison, which was one of the two borrowed books that I had to make extra sure that I brought home safely and not saturated. And Of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck, which I read one quick afternoon after a friend we were visiting pulled it out for me. And also, which saved me the whole drama of figuring out, well, you know, why am I paying $20 for a book that was written, you know, 80 years ago. Anyway, you can check out all the reviews on the Tinted Edges website under the hashtag five weeks of American literature. So ultimately, look, I did feel a little bit like I was lugging books around, but between giving some away, borrowing one along the way and packing, packing books into my Kobo, it wasn't too bad in the end. But speaking of lugging books, let's get on to the main part of this month's podcast and our biggest piece of book news. I've moved house a lot of times. I'm just trying to count how many times I would have had to pack up books and move them from one place to another, and I reckon in the last 10 years, it has been at least eight times. Packing up books for me... It's always a strange time. You know, on one hand, it's such a pain in the neck to empty all your bookshelves, box them up, move them in loads in a car or a truck somewhere, unload them, unbox them, put them back on your bookshelves, which you also had to carry. Nightmare. But on the other hand, it is often really nice to do a bit of a stock take, reminisce over your favorite and maybe even forgotten books, you know, get rid of books that you don't need, like, for example, you know, my law textbook on corporations law that I think went out of date about five minutes after I paid $200 for it. Get rid of that. Um, And it's also a great opportunity to reconsider rearranging your bookshelf. So take these two conflicting feelings, multiply them by about a hundred, and you might start to get a sense of how it must feel to move an entire bookshop. If you've been following the podcast for the last few months, one of the biggest stories we've talked about has been the redevelopment at Curtain Shops in Canberra that has threatened the future of one of Canberra's most beloved bookshops. So this month, in lieu of the usual segment on book news, we're just going to focus on this story. Beyond Q has been a Canberra institution downstairs at the Curtain Shops since 2003, Run by partners Jenny and Simon, the premises was originally a Saint Vincent de Paul's op shop and a Greek family-owned supermarket before that. Beyond, Q sells second-hand books, of course, but they also sell locally published books, records, movies. They run a cafe, they have a bar, and they have live music on weekends. Walking down the stairs, which uh, open up into the cultural hub that is Beyond Q, had always given me a bit of a thrill. It's a place I love to take people who are new to Canberra, you know, a great place to meet up with old friends, and also a must-go if you're looking for like that just one more book to fill out your collection. The glass cabinet display is Always contain contains something different, and I remember last year the day that I found out Richard Adams had died. I think I talked about that in um, back in episode ten. I remember I, I slinking off to Beyond Q to nurse my despair over a coffee, coffee and browse the books, and I was absolutely touched to see a little tribute display to my favourite author. The photos I used for my blog of me holding my white bunny grew were also taken at the, in the Rare Books room at Beyond Q. And Simon was kind enough to let me in and, uh, and take some photos there. And I have to say, I'd always been a little bit nervous about hanging around that part of the shop. And I remember someone confiding in me one time that there was a poltergeist, apparently, that moved things around, especially late at night and especially in the Rare Books section. So when I saw the call out for volunteers last weekend to help come pack the 186,000 items that needed to be moved to the new Western Creek location last weekend, I knew I absolutely was going to go around there to help. So it was a bit confronting after all this history, you know, I've had with Beyond Q walking in there and seeing half the shelves gone and the vast majority of the books. There was still quite a lot to be done, but it looked like the skeleton of the store as I had last seen it before I went to America. So when I walked in, um, I went and introduced myself and staff member Lauren very kindly showed me the ropes and put me straight to work. So we're just in the bottom of Beyond Cube Bookshop at Curtain Shops. And Lauren is about to give me a crash course in the best way to pack books in boxes. Yeah. Thank no you very worries. much, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> no worries at all. So she's just got a couple of armfuls of boxes to get me started. Yep,
1: I'll just grab you a pen. Or oh, actually, you can use mine, that's all good. So oh, I should have be why a
0: pen. I did pen. No, you're all good,
1: you're all good. So I'll get you started on poetry that I started and then um, started doing another section. But you can finish where I left off. Oh, fantastic. And so I just got up to um, Australian Poetry number 1. Yep. I think, I think that's right. So I would start then with Australian Poetry number 2. Yes. And so um, I finished um, anthologies and uh, yep. so then did four out of four to make it show that you yep, yep. finished so it. So they're and all in, in alphabetical-ish order? Um, sort of. Um, since it's just a small section, we won't put you know letters of the alphabet for the, um, the writers' names, yep. which is what we'd usually do, but since it's so small, we'll just do letters, I mean numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Did
0: you hear that, Australian poetry? Small selection. Yeah. You might need to <laughs> buff that out a bit with the local poets. Yeah. So have you, have you got any tips for filling the boxes? Yes,
1: yeah. so um, you pick them up off the shelves, just in the order that they were on the shelves. Yep. And you put them straight into the box, and it's left to right across left the shelves. right? And pages down. Yes, pages down. Spines up. Yep. <laughs> and then once you get to the end, you go to the next of uh, the left side of the um, the next shelf below. Yep. And so see, I'm just picking it off the shelf oh, and then yeah. putting it straight down, so they're still in order. So that's basically what it was on the shelf.
0: Oh, look at that! This is triptych ones. These <laughs> are the ones that I painted up for blemish books. Oh cool! Yeah. Oh, cool. oh you've got heaps of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And so um, you can see what they are. It's yeah. Because it's got one. the, the label
0: there. So um, we now we don't want to overfill the boxes. I'm assuming. No. So once you get once it's filled
1: right to the edge, um, then you grab a few. If they'll fit, you grab them in order again you try and stick them down the side but sometimes they fit sometimes they don't yep i don't know how this will
0: go (laughs) now these are quite small boxes i've noticed yeah they're the only ones
1: we've had we have so well
0: i found in the past actually they have a big box you can fit more books in but then it's almost impossible to pick
1: them up yeah exactly exactly and we don't have like um we've just got you know not professional movers, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Just Who needs <laughs> professionals when you've got us. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so um, then, okay, sorry, I haven't explained this. So then, once you finish that, because we try and put as many as we can in. Yeah, there, yep. Um, then you put um, just as they were on the shelf again. Yep. You grab them off the shelf and put them down. Yep. So that the they're facing upwards. So like, yeah, the front and then you go left to right again okay so as many will fit there there's so probably another one will fit there yeah, and you can see there you go Perfect. and then yeah. more. and oh it all fit the more that fits the better i guess <laughs> yeah but pull oh, that squeezing it <laughs> then then so, you go um yep. this one to like close
0: it up. So we're folding the panels instead of sticky taping them, is that right?
1: Yes. Yeah, yep. just because okay. it's easier because we recycle these boxes.
0: Ah, so you don't have to worry about tearing all the cardboard. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So press
1: Cuz we we we're reusing
0: them, is that yeah, the yep, so yep. um,
1: And then uh you put this one down okay. and it just goes around like a circle anti-clockwise. Yep. And then you put it under like that and then scratch out whatever was here. As I said, we were reusing them. Yep. And so then it's Australian uh, poetry. And what number
0: did I say it was? Is it two? Number two yeah. now. Number two. And there, you there go. Perfect. And so then when I finished filling up all the Australian poetry boxes, which doesn't seem like there's too many left. Yeah. Are so these down- Oh yeah, that's Henry Lawson's. So this is still Australian poetry. So when I'm done with those, then I'll go back and say out of how many boxes total yep, exactly. So, uh-huh. say this was the
1: last box, you'd yep. just go two, two out, out of two, two. and yep. sometimes say you'd finish um, Australian poetry but you still have lots of room in your box left. Yep, then you'd move on to the next one. Yeah, so say just general, poetry. just general poetry, and then in this box, you'd then say Australian poetry two out of two, Yep. then general poetry one. Yep, so. Does that make sense? That makes (laughs) perfect sense. No, no, no.
0: It sounds like a good system. So I guess if somebody at home was moving house, this would be a really good way if they had their bookshelves in a particular way to keep track of where everything is going. Yeah, sure.
1: I can't really take credit. I was told how to do it. Oh, it's not your system? No, no, no. I was told how to do it by
0: Julie. (laughs) (laughs) Being trained, Uh, passing on the knowledge. Exactly,
1: exactly. Perfect. All right. Um, Yeah, no, you can have a go, but I think I messed up the order of that. And I haven't really done this. That's okay. They actually all look like they're the same book. <laughs> hey, that's Oh, true. are they not?
0: No, that that's one true. is the same ooh, as
1: ooh, that ooh. one.
0: There we go. Okay. And so I'll let you... I haven't done this. So I made you have to reach over. <laughs> so, we've just stacked boxes in front of the bookshelf. So it's... Um, no, okay. uh, no, that's okay. No, that's okay. I'm flexible. Both in body and in spirit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Nice. So um yeah, no, I'll let you have a go. All right. Well, I'll get
0: started and um, I'll give you a holler if I have any problems. No worries. Awesome. No Thank worries. you so much, Lauren. Oh, perfect. Thank you. <laughs> I think some takeaway messages from that was that packing books as a business is a much much more difficult undertaking than just your personal library. When you're moving a large volume of books you really want lots of small to medium boxes that are all uniform in size easy to stack and label um and also easy to stack in a trailer or a truck you definitely don't want to overfill boxes because they might a break b be too heavy to carry or c no longer be perfectly flat and more difficult to stack Personally though, if you don't have so many books that you need to stack them in layers in your moving vehicle of choice, my preferred and maybe slightly controversial method of moving books is actually to use green bags. The reason for this is that they are a good size, they are much easier to carry than boxes, and you can easily use the handles to tie them up and untie them afterwards without having to fiddle around with tape. While I was at Beyond Q, uh, I managed to get through Australian poetry, all the other kinds of poetry, some of the cookbooks, and food writing before we ran out of boxes to fill. Um, I forgot to keep count, but it ended up being more than 30 boxes that I packed, which wasn't too bad, I thought, for an afternoon's work. Um, It's a pretty relaxing job, but you do get nice and warmed up moving the boxes around. Afterwards, Jenny very kindly made a coffee and we had a quick sit down and a chat before I helped load up some cars. The plans for the new place sound wonderful with a funky split level set up and it sounds like there's going to be a bit of a speakeasy situation going on and I can't wait to check it out when it's all ready to go. It was a huge job for them moving the shop and it looked like they were down to the wire getting it done by 12 midnight deadline on the 30th of September um, which they were given. So despite all the hard work I am certain the new place will be totally worth it. Their new address is number 11 Brearley Street in Western Arcade in Western Creek. And you can check out their Facebook page for more updates on uh, when they're going to be up and running for business. All right, readers, that's it from me. I've got some exciting stuff lined up for the next episode in November, which will have a little bit more of the traditional structure. So check out the Patreon page, follow the Tinted Edges Facebook page, or subscribe to the Tinted Edges website if you want to keep up to date with book news and book reviews. Until then, thanks so much for listening and talk to you next month.